Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Law College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler, and today I have an awesome conversation to share with you. This time I had the opportunity to speak with a young man named Danny Miranda. He has his own podcast. He's got a very entertaining Twitter feed, and we had a really awesome conversation about his experience in podcasting and sort of his outlook on the future. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know you will too. So please, without further delay, enjoy this conversation with Danny Miranda. Hey, Danny, thank you so much for joining us. It's a real honor to have you on the show. Patrick, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you. So uh, for the audience out there who maybe is not familiar with your work just yet, would you mind telling them a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a podcast um, and I tweet all the time and it's basically about how to pursue the highest version of yourself how to build yourself, how to become greater tomorrow than you are today. And everything I do is centered around that mission of making the world happier, healthier, or wiser in some respect. And so I like to bring on guests who have uh, done tremendous things with their life, who have inspired me personally. And I talk to them, interview them, and learn about how they got to where they got to. So it's a little bit about me. I'm sure we'll dive into it a bit further. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, you know, where that stemmed from, like, what was sort of the, you know, like you're a young guy, you know, so there, it only takes so many years in the real world to sort of start figuring some stuff out. And I'm curious for you, sort of what were some of those uh, early triggers or points where you decided that this was the direction that you wanted to go into? It's really interesting because when I was 13 years old, I just felt called to start writing a blog on time management. And so I'm writing this blog and it is about just how to become the highest version of yourself. And I'm 13 years old and it was like innate in me. But the thing is, eventually it led to, you know, I was, I was into partying and I was into not pursuing the highest version of myself. And I just evaluated life and got back to my roots as a child and got back to who I truly was. And that um, it, it was, it was signs in me early on, but more recently I, I dealt with depression and just really bad anxiety in life. And it was from that place of seeing that my actions led me there to realizing that I could also do the opposite of that and lead myself to a positive direction. And once you get yourself to a positive direction, you can also then bring other people to a positive direction as well. And that's, that's really exciting for me because now, not only can I serve myself, I can serve other people as well. And I'm just enjoying the process of that every damn day. I mean, I got to ask, well, what does a 13 year old really know about time management? Where did you get the sort of the gumption to feel like an authority on that subject? Absolutely nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> but what's really interesting is that some of the writing, I'm like, wow, this isn't that bad. This is pretty good stuff. And 
you know, a lot of people said this person isn't 13. There's no way like the writing's too good or, you know, like this 13 year old is, is making this up, but it was really just like, I was always willing to put myself out there. I understood at a young age that the internet was going to change the world and I wanted to be a part of that. But the thing is, I didn't have the confidence or the really understanding of myself at 13 to really execute on that vision. Um, so yeah, that that's a little bit about command your time back when 2009 was when I started that crazy. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah, things have certainly changed quite a lot since then as well. So where did that sort of, you know, you, you mentioned that you've gone through some challenging times and, you know, tried to kind of pull that back together. I think that's where, you know, some people will spend years, decades of their lives in that challenging area before they're able to turn it back around. Sort of, how did you do it? A lot of things went into it. And a lot of, if you take where I was in February of 2020 versus February of 2021 or March of 2021 is like February, 2020, I didn't have a real direction for where I wanted to take things. I thought maybe I'd be a personal trainer or maybe I would, um, you know, start working for someone in some respect, but I wasn't really sure on the vision. And it was only, um, when quarantine happened and, uh, I was forced to look at myself and start looking at myself on a consistent basis. Did I start taking control of my life in a major way? And, and that started with meditation that started with reading. And these are all things I've done in the past intermittently, but it was that consistent practice of knowing that the world was going to change forever. And I now could change with it and I can make the most out of the circumstances. So that's kind of what happened. Um, and it's been the best 12 months of my life because of a decision I made to take control of my situation. And that's awesome, man. I'm happy to hear that. What, what was, what was the inspiration to start a podcast yourself? Cause I mean, personally, you know, podcasts are talking to another podcaster. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, overlap here, but I'm always interested to hear sort of like what brought you to the medium and what were some of your inspirations in, in, you know, aggressively pursuing it. Yeah. So, it, I'd like to say there's three reasons for why I started a podcast. The first was that since quarantine happened, I was reading so many books and I wanted to talk to the authors and I had questions for them. The second was that three different people without knowing it all suggested that I start a podcast. And so that was like, that was something that I held in the back of my head and was like, that's really interesting. Maybe, maybe in the future. Um, and then the third thing is that this is the one that really sealed the deal was I put out on Twitter back in July of 2020, who wants to talk on the phone? I, I want to talk to you. If you're following me, I'm curious about you. I want to learn more about you. I would have such great conversations with people and people would say to me, wow, this was the best conversation I've had this year. And I enjoyed it just as much. And I was getting so much out of it. I was like, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there is an avenue for me to explore this. And maybe I should press record on these conversations and make them public. And that's pretty much exactly what I've done. And yeah, so far so good. That That's why I've started. What about you? What was the impetus for you starting? Well, you know, similar in some respects, you know, I'm a very curious person. So, you know, I could ask, there's so many people that I would hear on other podcasts, authors of books that I would read, uh, you know, YouTube creators, things like that. People that I want to ask questions to and just be able to have a conversation with. And the podcast medium kind of opens up that 
unlimited world of possibilities for connecting with people that you wouldn't be able to connect with otherwise. Um, and it also gives you the opportunity to, you know, like this sort of like interview style, it gives you the opportunity to ask questions that even if you know someone well, like I've interviewed some of my close friends and I've known them for years, but it's not until you're sort of in an interview template that you're like asking them these questions that I'm learning things about them that I never knew and I probably would have never learned otherwise. So there's so many things that the podcast medium sort of opens up. And ultimately what I realized uh, in my time, you know, this podcast knowledge about college, I, I was a college dropout was I was learning more from the internet, from people uh, that are producing content, create, you know, sharing information with the world than I was in school and ever did learn in school. And I was much more interested in it and engaged with it. And it being, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, this time that we live in, there's more that you can do with information than ever before. There's more access to information than ever before. And you don't need formal credentials. You don't need, uh, you know, even connections really to make an impact in, uh, you know, this sort of social media space in business or really in life in general. So, uh, you know, the opportunity to dive in there is really, you know, once you sort of realize that the sky is the limit and there's no downside, then it just makes all the sense. Yeah. And it's one of those bets, right? That you like, you don't lose anything. The only thing you lose is your time from just reaching out and trying to have conversations with people. Like there's, it seems like a no loss proposition because let's say I have a hundred interviews with people and you know, I don't make any money out of it or nothing happens like that, I now expanded my network with up to a hundred people. So it's like, it's a no lose situation is how I think about it. And it's just a opportunity, like you said, to learn and grow more. So exciting. Yeah, it's, like, exciting. it's looking at value from a different perspective. You know, like I think yeah. when people think of value there, especially like in information marketing and that sort of online e-commerce space, they're always thinking of money, but the you yeah. know other value is your network. It's your uh, it's the information that you accumulate. It's how valuable you can be. And you're as valuable as the network that you bring with you. And also just the information that you carry around with you on a daily basis. So even if I'm, you know, not working for an hour here to, uh, you know, have this conversation, I'm sure I'm going to learn things and be able to take away things that did contribute, add value to my own life that, you know, will, will compound over time, just like any sort of financial investment would. Yeah. And what about the joy too, that you get from the interviews, at least personally, I find so much joy in having the conversations. What's the value in that? It's priceless. Like there's Truly. no amount of money that I could give to like have these conversations. I'm, I'm so blessed and honored to be able to talk to some of these people. So it's like, I'm getting such joy from the moment and that is value too. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes there's a limited window, you know, you think about how uh, culturally, the, some things only last so long and some opportunities yeah. are always closing. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I got to talk to, you know, someone like John McAfee on the podcast, uh, you know, an, an eccentric, crazy guy that, you know, has a wild background, wild past. He's in prison now. So <laughs> the, wow. the podcast window closed with uh, John McAfee, at least temporarily. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things. It's like, take advantage of it while it lasts today, while, you know, while, social media connectivity is so easy. Um, it's never been easier than 
the way it is today. And it might not always be this way. You know, there's not always an opportunity in any given medium uh, for new people to come in, take it by the horns and succeed with it. it. It usually happens when a medium is new and for the first, you know, couple decades where that medium exists, but, or is popularized, uh, but sometimes the window closes. So, you know, it's like, if you've considered it and maybe someone, you know, is in a similar position as you and had multiple people say, Hey, you should start a podcast, you know, the down, the downside is, is very low compared to the upside in the opportunity window. 100%. I couldn't agree more. So I'm curious about, you know, when it comes to podcasting, we're getting kind of meta here. So yeah, I'm curious, you know, when it, when it comes to it, you know, it's like, I observe other people's podcasts. I listen to the way that they conduct it. I listen to their framework because a lot of that goes into sort of, you know, it's something that you have to think about. And there's also one of my favorite things is questions because, yeah. you know, your, your life is as good as the questions that you ask. And totally, uh, I'm curious, you know, for you, do you have any favorite questions that you ask some of your guests? Yeah. I love to start with a question that the guest isn't expecting in the beginning about their past. I think that's a really great way to signal to the audience and the guest that you've done your homework. And it's like, from that point on, you then gain like some sort of additional chemistry. When I interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk, I talked about the first time that he called my mom. And that's something that no one else could talk about. And it's something that immediately brought us a connection. But in other situations, I'll go back to someone's past. Like for David Perel, I interviewed him and asked him about his college or his high school golf team. And he was just like, what? Like, where did you find that? And it was just in another podcast. So I love to ask questions that are deeply researched about a person that they are just not expecting. I think that always brings you and the guest closer and you and the audience closer as well. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. I love that. Um, what about when it comes to the guest that you speak to, what sort of guides your, uh, your selection process there? And, and, you know, what is your process for, uh, you know, talking to identifying and, and, you know, sort of, bringing the whole thing together. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is staying open and being willing to do my research in advance, but also being willing to just say, screw that. I don't need that right now because often the guests will tell you things in the interview where if you're too focused on the specific questions that you had prepared, you'll lose it. And that's why it's like such a delicate balance. I'm sure you figured this out as well as like between research and holding on to that research when you're actually in the interview. I mean, I had one interview where I was just reading off the questions. And at the end, I was like, well, I thought this was going to be an amazing interview. I know so much about him, but I didn't get lost in the moment. And the more we can stay open, and this is true for like someone who doesn't have a podcast and just wants to, you know, live life. It's like, be open to the moment, be present to the creation of what hap is happening. Every conversation is a creation and you can only be open to it and learn from it if you are present to the moment. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I think about the process of a particular interview. I think that's, that's phenomenal advice there, especially, you know, I've talked to some people on the show, uh, some chess grandmasters who have a very similar philosophy when it comes to, you know, playing a good game of chess. And I think it works the same way in conversation, which is if you go into it with a plan or a strategy that you're dedicated to sticking to, it, it closes the door on you being able to respond to the situation in front of you directly. And so 
exactly what you're saying. If you're going, if you're, if you're pre-prepared and you're sticking to all these questions that you have, you're, you're missing out on the opportunity to have like a real authentic conversation back and forth based off of what's unfolding and what that person's telling you. Yeah. And I've also found that it, a lot is dependent on how I, before what happens in the interview, a lot of that happens. Did I do my pre podcast ritual? Did I meditate for five minutes? Did I do some breathing exercise? Did I work out or take a walk earlier that day? A lot of that factors into the actual interview. And you think about it like that makes sense, obviously, but that took me some time to figure out that both of those, what happens before the interview is actually really important to the interview itself. Have you also found that to be the case? I have, you know, I I think it comes down to getting your mind in the right place and, you know, yeah, definitely some, you need to have a pre-interview, some, some habits that you sort of like fall through with every time just to sort of get yourself in the right mindset. And always, every single time, you know, it's always this interesting, exhilarating feeling before you meet someone new where you're just like, all right, here we go. What's this even going to be like? What is this person like? Especially I'm sure, uh, you know, you and I both, uh, interview different people that we interact with on Twitter or see on Twitter. Mm. And it's always interesting to see sort of what is this person really like? And yeah. you know, uh, just being, being ready for, for anything I think is important. What does your pre-podcast rituals look like? Yeah. So usually it's, it's very simple. And, and the simpler it is, the better. If I can do a five minute meditation where I'm just focusing on the breath or focusing on nothing, it brings me to a place of calmness and openness that I can't get anywhere else. Another great thing to do that I sometimes do is a five minute cold shower, just turn it as cold as possible. And it clears the mind and makes you so present. And you're like, fuck, you're like, this sucks. Like I want to just get out of here. But then you're, you're opened up in a way and you never feel the same after taking a five minute cold shower as you do before. But what about you? What are some of your pre-podcast rituals like? Well, usually I have to, I have to scrub my mind of whatever task I was working on previously. You know, the podcast for me is something that I love to do, uh, but I also run a business on, you know, sort of full time on the side. So I have to sort of cleanse my mind of whatever task I was focused on uh, that might distract me during the conversation. Uh, And it usually comes down to diving deep into someone's, you know, like looking through websites and previous content and sort of flooding my mind then with, you know, what am I about to like dive into thinking some of the questions that I want to ask, what do I really want to get out of this podcast, asking myself these powerful questions. Um, Mm -hmm. and then just, you know, making sure of course that the technology is ready to roll. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That, that definitely, that's what you got to (laughs) do. Certainly. So where do you see this going for you? I mean, you know, it seems like, uh, you got some great momentum and traction, where, where do you want to take this medium? I want to be the number one podcast in the world. That is the intention. That is the, the North star and everything I'm doing is understanding that this is going to take a decade. This is going to take two decades. And I love the process so much. I love the process of asking questions. I love the process of curiosity. I love the process of meeting new people and expanding the people that I knew and expanding my knowledge base. This is a lot of fun for me. And the early reviews of the podcast have let me know that maybe I have some natural talent in this arena where like, I didn't know what I was 
going to be good at, you know, I was never a good athlete. I was never like, I really didn't have many prospects for, for jobs. Like when I was graduating college, but maybe at, at 24, 25 years old, I found what I was supposed to be doing on this earth. And that's how it certainly feels. So I just want to take this to a level that I am proud of and continue to build and treating it like a professional, right? Like posting three podcasts a week, doing it, putting out that consistent schedule, doing more than, you know, just I can handle and just keep on that workload and getting better and better. That's my plan. And that's the, where I see it going. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad that you acknowledge that it's, you know, it can be something that could take 10, 20 years, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I think that's oftentimes like what holds people back is the idea that, you know, they just look compare themselves to someone like Joe Rogan, who's, you know, been grinding on this medium for, you know, well, I think it's like 12 years. Yeah. 12 years now. Um, and thinking like, wow, you know, at least I'm, I'm never going to be at that point. But then when you go back to episode one and you see, you know, what they started with, it's literally, you know, nothing compared to where they're at today, as far as the overall impact, the reputation, and also just the style and, and, you know, uh, process, I guess you could say of the show and how they sort of framed it. So that stuff evolves over time. Your skill set improves over time, your, your interviewing ability, your question asking, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, also the impact that you leave on people, you know, is growing over time. So, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to get through those initial milestones, then you're really not giving yourself the opportunity to ever get to, you know, that Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, you know, kind of podcast cultural moment level. (laughs) Yeah. And I think about it, like it's easy to get overwhelmed by that. So just focus on 100 episodes. That's like how I'm breaking it down. Right. I started the podcast and I said, okay, I'm just going to put out a hundred episodes and see if I even like this. I don't know if I'm going to like this. People say I should start a podcast. I want to start a podcast. Who knows if I'll even like the process. But what happened was after around 30 episodes, I was like, I love this. I was meant to do this. This is like, this is what fuels me and, and brings me so much passion and joy. So let's just try to be the best in the world at this. Okay. What is that going to take? That's going to take 10 to 12 years of consistent you know, that's going to take a a long time. And so that's cool. I'm cool with that. You know, like, let's go, let's have some fun and just get better day after day, not get overwhelmed by the mountain and continue setting those internal goals of like a hundred episodes. Okay. Let's, let's put out one video a day on YouTube. Let's put out three videos a day. Let's just overwhelm and just get better and better every day. And if you do that for a long enough period of time, it's inevitable. There's no other option, right? Like you're going to get better. And if you've been blessed with some little natural talent and you're willing to work hard, it's like, it's game over. Yeah. You really have to either try to fail or go into it really pessimistically, you know, to record a hundred episodes and not have something tangible on the other side. Uh, you know, it, it really comes down to just, if you don't quit and stick to that, you know, sort of micro goal that you set, then yeah, the sky's the limit. You can make anything. Exactly. Possible. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be about podcasting, right? It could be you know, going to the gym. Okay. I'm going to go to the gym a hundred times or, or I'm going to meditate a hundred times. And so often we get attracted to the external image. We want to be the person who has those things, but the real process is doing it and doing it an X amount of times makes you the person. So, yeah. So tell me what, what do you think would be uh top, you know, two or three things that you wish you had known before starting this, you know, on episode one, what, what do you wish you had, uh, 
if you go back now and tell yourself something, what would it be? Just keep going. Keep gr- I mean, like I'm, I'm only on episode, I don't know, 82, something like that. Like, so I'm still early on the process, but I would just tell myself, like, it's going to take a long time if you want to get to where you want to get to, but don't worry about that. Just focus on making this moment as good as possible. And I mean, maybe it hasn't been long enough for me to really give myself advice. I just started this in September. So September of 2020 and we're in March of 2021, like it's only been six months really. So I would say just keep doing what you're doing. And maybe in, in two years or three years, I'll give myself different advice back when I was starting, but I think it's, it's been too, too soon before, um, to actually give myself worthwhile advice. Hey, that's, that's a good, honest answer. Tell me, uh, what do you think is the biggest challenges for you ahead? Uh, you know, do you, do you spend time thinking about that or do you sort of chip away one by one or what do you think are some of the things that are, uh, you know, kind of intimidating to you now that maybe you, you're trying to work through and, and claim victory of? Yeah. The, the toughest thing right now at this particular moment in time is the money aspect of it. I'm living with my parents. I found what I feel like I was called to do on this earth. But at the same time, you have to understand that it's not very well paying in the beginning. And I'm content with that and I'm cool with that. But the thing is like, I'd like to make money as well. So um, yeah, that aspect of it and figuring out how to juggle my, my passion of learning from people and conversing with people while also making money. Um, hopefully what maybe I'll be able to do is like use the network that I've built over the past six months to get a job or to help someone in some situation um, that I could make money from. But, you know, that's the biggest challenge at the current moment and willing to see and figure out how it plays out over the coming nine months or wherever it may be. Sure. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, uh, you know, sort of in this sphere of, you know, self-improvement find themselves in this situation where you're in value accumulation mode, just constantly trying to learn more, uh, understand more, improve yourself and everything like that. And then you hit this point where it's like, okay, well, how do I deploy this value in a way that the marketplace will reward me and compensate Mm -hmm. me for this information or for my network? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, what, what that comes down to is some kind of business one way or the other, something where you can generate more value, uh, you know, for clients or for customers or whatever, where you're then, you know, it's enough that they're paying you, uh, you know, consistently and allowing you to sort of continue down this path. And, you know, I think for, it's kind of the natural progression of self-development as you start to understand that, like the only way to, you know, sort of get beyond yourself is to start building an entity that can be bigger than just yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you considered anything in in that, uh, you know, sort of in that realm? Yeah. So, the, how I started in 2018 with this journey was like, I'm going to make money, right? Like that's the only thing that matters to me. And I did pretty well with e-commerce and drop shipping and all that stuff, but I didn't find it very fulfilling and I didn't find it enjoyable. And so I now I'm went in the complete opposite route of like, I don't care about the money. I'm just going to focus on myself and focus on building this thing for the pure love of it and serving people. That's what I care about. So I haven't really been able to find the balance of those two, but when I do, I think there's, there's a real opportunity of like, okay, I'm serving others, not caring about the money, but I also want to make money. 
um, somewhere in the middle of that is, is where the truth probably lies and probably where I'll find the most success. I just have not found that yet. Yeah. I mean, it certainly takes some time and, you know, take some time. And, and, you know, the, the good news is that as you continue to do what you do and, you know, learn more and more, accumulate more and more value, it only makes that sort of like potential energy greater for, you know, when you find that right situation and totally, you know, and similar to what you're saying with podcasting, it's like, as long as you're just not quitting on it, then there's really, you know, the, it, eventually, you know, you find the water finds the crack, the, the route through. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like that with so many things, right? As long as you don't quit, you're going to find your way to where you want to go. Certainly. So tell me, what are, uh, what are some of your goals for the remainder of this year? You know, we're still at the beginning. So what would you like to accomplish by the beginning of 2022? Well, I have up there on, I have, um, you know, I'd like to put out a thousand YouTube videos and that's like clips of the podcast. That's, um, just episodes from the podcast. So that, that will serve as a, a base for search engine and people come in. I'd like to do 50 pull-ups consistently. That's another one of my goals and put out 160 podcast episodes this year, which is like three a week. Um, and then like, those are all, I guess you would say professional goals, but the truth is like, I want to continue expanding in love and giving love to people and giving love to myself because that has been the biggest difference between me of today and me of February, 2020. I didn't give love to myself. I didn't give love to other people. I wasn't expanding in love. It was only when March started where I was started loving myself. And then after starting loving myself, I could then love other people and it transformed my life in such a way. I want to continue that and expand that and just be able to give love to as many people as possible. So, I mean, you, you've mentioned a few times now sort of this hinge point of March quarantine, you know, is yep. a changing, uh, really seems like a life-changing time for you. What were those, what actually happened that, that made these changes? Was there anything that sort of, you know, any straw that broke the camel's back? Was there any specific moments that, you know, these things started to flip for you? Yeah. See, the thing is, I was depressed to begin with in February and then, I see COVID happening before the rest of the world does or before the rest of my internal world, my family does. And I, I'm tracking it on Twitter and following the progress and no one's caring about it. And it's freaking me out. And I'm getting even more upset. And I remember, you know, the NBA got locked down and the NBA shut down and people were like, oh, this is serious. And then it was that point when I saw that everyone else was taking it seriously. Did I say to myself, okay, like now's the point, like this, the world is changing. The world is going to change. It's not going to look the way it has before. So it's right now where you make the decision to take ownership of your life and take ownership of, of what you're doing. And so I started doing, I'd done 75 hard, which is a program where you, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like, yeah. do you want to say yeah, what, it, what it is for sure? Yeah. So it's 75 days straight of drinking a gallon of water a day, doing two workouts. One of them has to be outside, taking a progress picture, following a diet of some sort. It has to be uh, a clean diet or there, there can't be any snacking and no alcohol. And then the fifth thing is, um, so water diet, uh, two, 
two workouts. Oh, 10 pages of reading is the final thing of a nonfiction or self-help book. So I'd done that program in the past and that really helped me like get on the right track in life. And that helped me build up my own self-image. And I completed that. And then in March, there's another part of the program, a 30-day program called phase one. And I just did this program and I started the program on March 15th, like right when quarantine started and people were taking it seriously. And those 30 days were transformative because I had to read every day. I had to do all the habits that I was supposed to do and it built me up and it was a small enough where I could grasp it like 30 days. Okay. Just execute on these 30 days. And by April 15th, I was like, okay, this, this is going in the right direction. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep moving. So it was like building that momentum and February and March of 2020 were the real turning points because it was then that I started building the momentum for my life that you see to this day. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, momentum, it's an interesting idea because in some respects to gain momentum takes, you know, kind of a blind allegiance to whatever you're committed to, you know, like, I I think that's one of the benefits that 75 days hard is, you know, you look at those, you know, five or six things, whatever that, that you're trying to accomplish every single day. And, you can acknowledge that, yes, each one of these things would be good for me, but then, you know, you don't, what, what is hard to predict is how will everyday life interfere with your ability to complete these things. And then I feel like that's the learning process of one of those programs is realizing like, oh, you know, I can do this one day, two days, three days in a row, maybe a week straight, but then you're hitting those, you know, Saturday, the weekend or whatever, where you wouldn't normally be doing that thing, but you're trying to execute on it anyways and realizing how much everyday life is trying to prevent you from accomplishing those habits that you've set out to do. And, you know, after you've started to, you know, if you can just blindly stick to a goal, like 75 days, you kind of come out the other side with a brand new set of, you know, neural pathways to do those things that you had been working on sort of just by chiseling away one day at a time. So that now, you know, at the end of that time period, you may have accomplished the goal, but you probably realize that it's, you're just getting started, that those habits are not something for 75 days, but that's something that you're supposed to do every single day for your entire life. Absolutely. And it totally rewired my brain. And I'm so happy you used that analogy because before doing 75 hard, I was a short-term thinker. I was like, how can I make money this week, this month, this year, whatever? And it totally changed me to long-term vision in the sense of like, now I'm building the podcast for the next decade, right? To, to execute on that long-term vision. So I think that was the biggest thing I took away from that program. In addition to an increased self-image where I didn't think of myself as someone who could accomplish those five things every day. And then I was, so I did it and I was like, well, maybe I am that type of person. Maybe I can do what I say I'm going to do. Maybe I am a long-term thinker. And it was just beginning to form those neural pathways and change my life forever. Yeah. I mean, confidence is physical. It's not mental. You know, confidence comes from physically doing things, not just thinking about things. If anything, you get the, the inverse effect. If you're just thinking like, oh no, I'm great. I can do things, but then you're not physically doing them. Then you start to, 
you know, sort of have an opposite reaction. Whereas if you go to the gym every day for 30 days, no matter what your mindset is, you start to feel more confident because you know that you're accomplishing things. And I think what you've touched on there uh, is systems versus goals. You know, if you have a goal, like I'm just going to make money or a goal, like I want to make money from a podcast, you're not going to find the success that you're looking for compared to systemizing and saying, you know, how can I set up a process that I'll do today for this podcast or for you, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that I can execute on not just today, tomorrow, this month, you know, this year, but far into the future that will eventually lead to that successful point. Um, Cause I think if you thought, Hey, I just want a hundred episodes and you know, maybe it'll take a year and a half or something to, to get there and I'll be successful then uh, it's, it's not the right way to approach any, complex problem, especially when it comes to, you know, how you're going to fit into that over time. And you could think about systems. You can know that systems thinking is, is the best way of doing it. And you could hear it on this podcast, but it's not until I actually lived it with 75 hard that I actually realized like the journey is everything. And you could be thinking about a destination, like you'll be successful after you complete this. But it was realizing that I was actually happier while doing it, doing the 75 days than I was after it was over. And that was a real a shift for me. And I'd heard and known that the journey is the destination and the journey is greater than the destination over and over and over again. But it was only when I lived it that it really set into my mind. I really had something that I could go on. So I think it's so important. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. I think that's a great example. And uh, yeah, I mean, what, what do you... Uh, what would you recommend to somebody who's maybe like, you know, find themselves in a situation similar to how you felt uh, last March? I would say accountability. Use someone who you respect or you look up to in some way as accountability, if possible. Don't choose someone who is like below you or on your level in the sense of discipline, in the sense of um, becoming the highest version of, of themselves, because they can bring you down and, and they might not expect to achieve the 75 days and that could bring you down. So really go after and look for someone who you respect for their discipline, you respect for their mental toughness, or you respect in some way and try to use them as accountability and try to use them as like, okay, I completed day one. Okay. I completed day two and make sure they know and are part of your journey because what happened with me was when I started 75 hard, I didn't believe in myself to accomplish it, but it was, it was only using an accountability partner. Luckily, I just, it just came to me where, you know, I texted someone that I was doing the program. They were like, let's do it together. I'll text you at the end of the day. You'll text me. And I really looked up to this person. So I was like, damn, like that was hugely pivotal. And if you can do that and institute that, then you'll be far ahead than most because I, accountability is super underrated. I think, uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned there also sort of stood out to me, which is the, you know, when it comes to choosing an accountability person, it's finding someone that might already have some of the components or things that you're looking to achieve yourself. Because I think oftentimes yep. people look at their other friends in a similar situation and say, oh, like we can do this. But if there's not sort of like a disproportionate level of, you know, if you're both coming from the same place, it's, you know, kind of impossible for either one of you to drag the other person up in any way, shape or form. You kind of need that anchor point or something to go towards. And it also comes down to just like 
who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to your friend that's in the same situation? Or do you take advice and listen to someone that's already got something that you have, you want, uh, whether if you that's, both, yeah. sorry to interrupt. If no, you please. both don't believe in yourself, like you're not going to get to where you want to go like that. It's that simple and it's harsh, but I didn't believe in myself. And if I did the program with someone all, who also didn't believe in themselves at that time, we both wouldn't have finished. And is like, you need to be looking towards someone who, who will like believe that you can finish. And that's so important. And I, I'm so grateful for my friend Tej. You should, everyone should check him out. If you're listening, comedic Bisman on Twitter, he's a legend for believing in me before I even believed in myself. And that is what you see today is like the result of what I started in September, 2019. I mean, the cool thing about that also is, you know, you can find some of these people that have what you want and sort of, uh, you know, are, are in a maybe farther along place than you on the internet, which is yes. you know, really the revolution of today, which is you don't need to always find someone in person in your immediate network or anything like that. Like the sky's the limit. You could even, uh, you know, draw your motivation from someone that you've never met who does a podcast or, or, you know, tweets or whatever, uh, you know, and align yourself with that person digitally, virtually. Uh, and you know, it's really like a magical thing because I think our, our minds are designed to, you know, be face to face with people and be, uh, you know, our, our brains evolved to like sort of have this chemistry with people in person, but a podcast or tweets kind of trick your brain because you're listening to a conversation and, you know, you're still having those, you know, the neurons are still firing off as if you were with that person in real life, having that conversation with them. So in a way you are having that conversation. And in a way, if you're around those people and associating with those people, uh, you know, you can start to adopt their habits and their way of life, uh, you know, subconsciously or consciously and, you know, use that to your advantage, even if they don't know who you are. What you just said sparked a thought in me that is such an exciting idea for me. So what I'm I'm doing right now is I'm waking up at 6am and I am documenting that so that every day I'm saying day one complete day, whatever I'm on day 11 complete. And I, I document that every day, but for someone listening who might not have a, an audience or people who is interested in their stuff, I want someone or as many people as who listen to this to whatever goal you're struggling with right now, you're trying to do is whether it's going to the gym, meditating, whatever it may be, starting a business, doing things for your business. I want you to tweet me and do it daily. And if it, it interests anyone who's who's listening, if you tweet me every day, I will check up on your progress. I'll be interested in your progress and I want to know how you're doing. And it, you can create a thread like that. So by the end of 30 days or by the end of 60 or 90 days, you'll have done something and built on a habit. And I'll be looking for you as an accountability partner and liking your tweets and responding to you. That's what I'll do. If anyone's interested in hearing that, you could find me at Hey Danny Miranda on Twitter. And I would love to do that. And that was sparked completely by your thought just now. So amazing. Hey, what a good conversation could do. Exactly. It's the magic unfolding in real time. You know, I think, uh, you know, if there's one thing that I know is that you do really well, it's, it's engagement and, uh, you know, just blasting it out there and sort of giving people the opportunity to sort of have that exchange. Where does that, you know, is that natural to you? Is that something that you consciously uh, cultivated or how does that work for you? Yeah. So I'm so happy you brought that up because back when I first started on Twitter in 2018, 
I went under the account named Danny Roars and I talked about e-commerce stuff. And if you look at my old tweets there, it's cringeworthy, man. Like it is hard for me to look at because they were based in not love. They were based in fear. And I was like, you go through the old tweets and it's like subtle ways of putting people down and just like hating on the way certain people were acting. And I didn't even know myself. I'd spend zero time meditating. I'd spend zero time listening to myself. I was just projecting myself. But it was once I started loving myself and once my cup was overfilled with love in my own life, I want to help that. I want to bring love to other people. I want other people to get involved. And what's really interesting about that is that the side effect of that, of giving other people love, is they give you love back and they bring you up and build you up. And so it just is the answer. It's like doing the right thing is always the right right thing. I want to be someone who gives love. And as a result, it, it has given me back so much. And I'm so grateful for that. You know what, what you just said there, it reminded me of another conversation that I had recently with uh, Cobra Tate. He's a, you know, three-time kickboxing champion, world champion. If you follow him on uh, Twitter, uh, of Udan. And, you know, he told, he, he put this idea in my head, which I have not been able to get out. And it's, it's sort of, uh, I'm noticing it everywhere now, which is, you know, people always talk about the downward spiral, you know, when things start, you know, stack up against you and things are going downhill quickly. And in that same sort of, uh, in that same way of thinking, there's the upward spiral, you know, when you yep. get above neutral, there's that upward spiral, which is exactly what you're describing there, which is like when you're coming from a place of positivity and love and you have that to share with the audience, all of a sudden it's, uh, it can be a powerful force unleashed the same way, uh, that, you know, you can feel like you can just drop to nothing and go in a downward spiral really quickly. You can harness that same exact energy and go in an upward spiral, uh, at the same rate. It's pretty, you know, it's a powerful thought. And I think a lot of people are actually afraid of really grabbing onto that positive spiral and, and, you know, bringing themselves up there. Yeah. Because once you have the upward spiral, you would then have more responsibility. And once you have more responsibility, you then have to give to other people and you have, you're responsible for upholding and acting a certain way. And that's challenging. So understandably, a lot of people would look at that and be like, I don't want to be more because that means subconsciously that I have to act better than I currently am. That's a challenging thing. And that can hold a lot of people back. But what's really interesting is that because I have, I've had downward spirals in my life, I know how painful it is. I know the realness in my heart. That's not there anymore. I have the data to prove it on an aura ring where they show the heart rate variability and the, the resting heart rate isn't where it's supposed to be. So I know it's bad for my body. I know it's bad for myself. And I don't want other people to go through that. I want people to put in the work because I know that putting in the work leads to where you want to go always. And sometimes you're just one accountability partner away from becoming the greatest version of yourself. And if I can be that for one person, I, I've been that for one person, but if I can be that for multiple people and help more and more people, I am so blessed, man. That's just what I want to do. I want to be that person that helps transform people's lives. I mean, you can see how powerful that is in someone like Tony Robbins, you know, where, you know, he's sort of like a professional at uh, adjusting people's lives and helping them achieve, uh, you know, a higher version of themselves. And, you know, he doesn't have to be perfect for that to happen, but the value that's generated from that, both uh, socially, uh, you know, for yourself, uh, just internally, and then just monetarily, you know, really it speaks volumes. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I want to ask you about was, you know, your Twitter profile. So, 
I always love to see how people describe themselves on Twitter, you know, in their bio, because it, you know, it says a lot about them in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, uh, in yours, I noticed there's just one word optimist. And uh, with that, it's sort of like, you know, you're identifying as an optimist, part of your identity, part of what you attach to yourself and how you mm -hmm. think about yourself. Could you talk about identity and how much uh, sort of using maybe the right labels can give you a different outcome than, you know, the wrong ones? Yeah, absolutely. It is so important to me to identify a certain way. And I used to think like, who cares? Like if you have a positive outlook, who cares if you have a negative, who cares if you have a neutral, but the reason why I chose optimist and the reason why I identify with optimism is because if you really want to do something great, you need to inherently think of the world slightly better than it currently is. You need to look on the bright side. You need to be able to say, okay, well, I currently can only lift X amount of pounds, but I want to be able to lift X plus 10. Okay, well, I need to be able to think that that's possible. How do you think that that's possible? You get excited about the possibility. When you're excited about the possibility, you're looking forward to the future. You're optimistic. And so that is true for any goal, not just if you want to lift X plus 10 pounds. It's true for anything. And I've noticed times in my life when I've been pessimistic or neutral thinking. And neutral thinking works for Trevor Moad and He's a great author and everyone should check out his book. It takes what it takes, not affiliated in any way, but just was a great book on neutral thinking. For me, it's optimistic thinking and you find out what works for you. You try out neutral thinking, you try out pessimistic thinking, you try out optimistic thinking, what works for you. And if you could figure out what works for you and what leads you to the best results in life, that's what I'm all here for. And, and that's, that's what, at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think it's a, a important to, bring up sort of the the difference between being like purely optimist or you know having like you know a little bit of a balance of both because you can definitely uh sabotage yourself if you just assume everything's going to be great all the time you know personally totally. i'd say i lean more towards like the 51 49 breakdown optimist Fair. you know just just a slight leaning so that you know you're always uh, sort of uh on the right trajectory, but still balancing in you know all the bad stuff that you know is bound to happen you know there's sort of uh I mean, my personal philosophy is there's just as much good as bad. There's just as much, you know, day as night, you know, it's kind of just uh, part of the natural cycle of things that there's a balance there. So if you anticipate, uh, you know, the good and bad, it prepares you well uh, compared to, you know, if you assume things will always be great because you identify as a hundred percent optimist, then you'll be, you know, sorely let down when things go bad. I mean, look at, I have this Elon Musk poster back here for a reason. Elon, I think is sort of the, the true definition of this where, you know, long-term, he's a long optimist, you know, maybe short-term, you know, things, you know, his, his rockets will explode on the, on the launch pad, you know, things will go wrong, but, you know, in the long-term it's like, eventually, you know, that rocket's going to land on Mars and it's, it, you know, it does not, a pessimist does not land a rocket on Mars, put it that way. Yeah, totally. And you, you just talking just now, it, I had to get back this quote that my uncle um, has passed along to me. And I think about all the time, it, it kind of talks about exactly what you were talking about in terms of 5149. So I just had to pull it up real quick, sure. which was, I asked him for life advice. And the third thing he said, it was like, I, I can't remember my exact question, but it was basically life advice. And he said, this is his third, third bullet point was 
Things rarely are as bad as feared nor good as hoped for. I can't tell you how many times that has been my post-event reflection, business, financial, social, personal, whatever. We tend to have views in our head that are exaggerated one way or another. So it just speaks to that level of, you know, 51, 49, like you have to look for the bright spots, but also the negative and you have to be able to combine them in some way. So that was just on my mind and thought it, thought it was worth potentially sharing. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. And what, what made you choose your uncle to ask him for life advice? I, you know, it was really interesting. That's a great question because once I started to do 75 hard, this was probably in the the second week of 75 hard that I asked him and, and a bunch of my other family members. It was once I started feeling good about myself and confident about the place that I was operating from, I then started to reach out to others. And I then started to ask, what has made you successful? What would you recommend to a 24, 23 year old kid? And it was only after I started living up to the highest version of myself at the time, did I then be able and was comfortable enough to ask for advice. I was had a terrible, I had a, a very difficult relationship with my parents and family and grandparents because I was not a good communicator. But communication stems from loving yourself. Communication stems from you being whole or you having enough plus one days in a row so that you feel comfortable with where you're at. So then you can communicate yourself to someone else. And so it's really interesting. I asked my uncle after I started to feel good about myself. And I asked my uncle specifically, one of many people, because he's, he's successful in life in, in terms of family, business, um, personal relationships, and just a generally uh, complete person, like many of my family members, I'm blessed to, to say, you know? So I just ask anyone I can. So it's interesting that you say that because I, it's something that I notice for sure, which is kind of like, you know, the frequency that you operate on. If you, start changing that, you know, it takes time. It takes doing something like 75 day hard or a lot of, you know, sort of, you know, moving your body to do things that wouldn't normally do all of a sudden we start changing your, uh, your confidence levels, your, your mm-hmm. mental outlook on things. You start to immediately identify with people that share a similar frequency. And so, yep. you know, I, I'm sure, you know, I, I could probably take a guess here that you probably wouldn't have asked your uncle things when you were in the downward spiral just because, or, you know, struggling with depression things because your frequencies were not resonating. Um, And without being too like woo woo with it, it's kind of like, you know, if I'm thinking the same things, I can guarantee that just by the people that you follow on Twitter, some of the books that you've recommended on your website or, or have notes on, we've, we've accumulated a lot of the same content that, there's a certain frequency resonating because we have a similar operating uh, system in our minds for, you know, approaching the world and handling the environment and things like that. So once you start to start to orient yourself in a certain frequency, you start to identify the people that are on that same track and it just grows from there. Yeah. And also it's like, that's why I think it's so important to reach out to friends and people who aren't going through the, the same elevated frequency you're in. If you're, you feel elevated, it's like, you should reach out to those people because they're not going to be the ones to reach out to you because they're in that downward spiral. And I've been there, but when a friend reached out saying how much they, they were thinking of me or how much, you know, like they, they wished me well, that always stayed with me when, even when I was in downward spirals. So I think it's so important and something I try to pass on to this day is like reaching out to friends if they're not doing the best or because that one message can bring them back to a good place or can get them back to neutral. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Well, 
Danny, man, this has been a really great conversation. I feel like I could ask you questions all day. Um, but tell me, like, what, what are you most excited about, you know, in the near future? What, what should the audience know? What should, what should they expect out of you coming soon here? Yeah, I'm really excited about building up a community on YouTube where just like I've never put out video. I've never put out audio. Really, this is the first time that I've ever done that. And YouTube is a community where you can comment and you can get involved in a way. And I really am enjoying that process of building that up. So you could go to youtube.com slash Danny Miranda to get some of my stuff on YouTube. And then obviously you'll find the podcast and the Danny Miranda podcast is the name. And I'm really excited about building that. That's three episodes a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And just, this was a great conversation, man. I, I, this, I'm super grateful for you and uh, looking forward to continue interaction. And thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. Before we, uh, before we end off here, do you got any final words or asks or anything for the audience? Yeah. So I, I kind of mentioned it in the, in our, our talk, but I'd love for someone to take me up on that offer to start documenting and using me as an accountability partner on Twitter. If you feel comfortable, if DMs are better, do it through DMs. If public's better, do it public. Um, I just want people to have the same experience that I had with using accountability to become the greatest version of myself. And Twitter makes it, the internet makes it free. So that would be amazing if one person hit me up and, and did that because of that and started tracking their progress. I think that's a powerful offer. I think that's a really awesome thing. I, I, I hope some people take you up on that. And I'm excited to, to, you know, sort of watch and unfold myself on Twitter and see just where, just, just how far this conversation can take somebody, uh, you know, uh, in their life. So I appreciate your time today, Danny, and, and look forward to seeing your, your growth and progress over time. Truly good luck, man. And, and uh, love the content. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.